May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. The gospel today is the parable of the sower, and it's a parable about healthy growth in relationship to the word and realm of God. And this is one of the only parables that Jesus so fully explains. He usually lets it all up to us to figure out. And so, um, but the second half of this reading is his explanation. And so he really helps a preacher out. Just read the second half. <laughs> but it's also hard to compete with the insights from Jesus. So today I'm gonna just um, go uh, through a few contemporary um, illuminations that might help you to um, dig a little bit deeper into the scripture. I'm gonna start with the three examples of what not to do, what not to do. Don't be careless with the word, don't be shallow, or don't get enmeshed, too enmeshed with the thorns. Now when we look at these, it might be easy to identify others that fit into those categories, right? We all know careless people, people who are a little too shallow, people who are a little too worried about what the, the, the values of um, the world or what other people think about them or how much they're making or whatever that is. We can, we can easily see that in others, right? And you know, the sower also, um, is, doesn't seem to know in these categories what he is doing. And the seeds are always in trouble and it's always, it's always easier to see that in other people. But as I talk about these um, categories, I invite all of us to reflect on how we are showing up first, right? Before we begin to identify those around us who are easy to fit into those categories. To be gentle with, our, with others and to look at ourselves always first. So let's dig in a little bit. So first is the sower that has so much seed, um, he's going to, to, to plant it, and he is careless with it. He lets it fall to the ground on the path, right? And instead of growing, it gets trampled on, it gets eaten by the birds, and that is considered um, wasteful. And as Jesus said, that's the evil one, um, not letting the word of the Lord uh, flow and grow in your heart. But when I was reading it, quite frankly, I was thinking, maybe this is the, the, the doubt, the, the questioner in me, but that, that quite frankly, feeding birds is not the worst fate for seed, right? It's, it's not the worst fate. And I know that this is not the point, but I couldn't help thinking about this, um, this week, as I always look at the news and try to come up with um, good um, connections with what's going on in our world, with the gospel, 
And in the news this week, there, um, there was a, an article about how smart birds are. Okay, now we always say that's bird brain, right? When, when we're having the meaning you have a small brain, right? But their instincts in this one particular instance um, are having the last laugh this week. I don't know if you all heard, it was reported in, in the BBC News that in cities around the world, the anti-bird spikes that are used to protect like statues and balconies from unwanted birds are, um, the, the, the birds are taking those and using them as a protective shell around their nests. <laughs> so the birds are getting revenge by using the anti-bird spikes, not just in their nests, but actually as protection. Um, they're, they're placing them in such a way that they're guarding um, their young. Um, so Dutch researchers have found that some of these birds use the spikes as weapons around their, their nests, using them to keep pests away in the same way that humans do. And um, this is really uh, quite funny because they found one of uh, these nests, huge, huge nests on the top of a hospital. And, um, and you could see, um, and these, these, these spikes are really hard to um, remove, y'all. They're, they're not easy to remove. And so um, the, 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 they went up to the top of this hospital roof to see an example, and the anti-bird spike stripes had been ripped off the building, and all that remained was a trail of the glue. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is how adaptable these dumb birds are, right? So my point here, um, which is a little off topic, but I just love this story, so I wanted to share it, was do not be careless with resources, like the sower who just lets the seed drop carelessly on the path. And do not overestimate yourself as you talk and live into the Word of God, because sometimes even uh, nature around you or those that you underestimate can um, outwit and outsmart uh, our best intentions. And also, don't be dumber than birds, right? <laughs> and, or more careless than a magpie. We are in relationship with our environment around us. And in all of the parables and throughout scripture, there's praise and glory for the nature that God created, for the world that God created. And I believe that today, carelessness has done a lot of harm to us, to each other, to our environment, and so I offer this as um, just an illumination on this reminder from Jesus not to be careless. The second part is about the seed that fell on rocky uh, ground and sprung up and it was beautiful, but when the sun came, it scorched it 
And then because it had no roots, you know, it just fell over at the first wind, right? And I was thinking about this, whenever this parable comes up, I remember Barbara Kingsolver's Poisonwood Bible because it had a huge impact on me. And I'd already gone to be a missionary in, a missionary in solidarity with the people of El Salvador. And reading this story about a missionary who was so full of, of the love of Jesus that he went to Africa with his whole family and was a mess there and really um, was brutal to the people to whom he was trying to bring Jesus. And there's, there was one um, that, that, you know, he thought that he was so full and rooted in Christ that he could bring um, the truth to other people, but he disrespected those folks so much that his faith was shown to be very, very shallow. And one of the ways that this was represented was in his demonstration garden, which grew, like he brought all these seeds from North America, and they grew really big, but they never bore fruit. And the locals there tried to tell him that was going to happen, and he just wouldn't listen. There's another example from that book in which the pastor, uh, Nathan Price, um, encounters a poison wood tree while planting that demonstration garden. And one of the women um, from, one of the local women, Mama Tataba, warns him not to touch the dangerous plant, but he, he contemptuously, not just like, oh, I know better, like with a, full of contempt, ignores her and ends up touching it and having painfully swollen arms and hands and to go even further, the poison wood's primary role in the story is in a form of a linguistic accident. In the native language of the word, it can mean dearly beloved, right? But if spoken slowly uh, or quickly, it can mean poison wood tree. And so this pastor wouldn't listen to the locals who were trying to explain to him the double meaning of the word poison wood tree, a dangerous tree that makes you sick, and dearly beloved. And so the whole time he was working in this place, he was preaching about Jesus, the poison of the world, instead of the dearly beloved one. And so that's a good example, I think, of uh, someone who um, thinks that they're, they're fully grown, fully uh, uh, blossomed, fully strengthened, fully alive in the Lord, but the roots are so shallow that they do not know what they're doing. Of course, the third is uh, growing up in the in the thorns, and this was reported today. I was so excited to hear because I love the group Sweet Honey and the Rock. I've always loved them and um, uh, seen them several several times when we lived in D.C. And um, I heard it reported this week that Octavia Butler's sci-fi novel, The Parable of the Sower, which was published 30 years ago, um, is has been made into an opera 
by uh, Bernie's uh, Reagan Johnson, who's the founder of Sweet Honey in the Rock, and her daughter, Toshi Reagan. And, and, and I just, I, I was reading this, and that is a very hard book to read. It's an incredible book, but it's a very, very hard book to read. And it is, seems to, it's set in 2024, and it's about when climate change and hate and destruction have um, driven people out of their homes. Gun violence and drugs are rampant all over the world, and, um, and so life is harsh. And the main character uh, is trying to um, uh, get to a place where they can develop a community in, under new religion um, in which um, we understand that God has changed. And, and so it's a, her vision, um, which is inspiring, but it's a harsh, harsh book. Uh, the opera is used um, is with uh, what they call congregational singing, a congregational community. So they have like 170 voices from people who just kind of came in and that help sing the, the chorus of these, this opera. And so I'm hoping today that you all will sign up to write to Toshi Reagan and see if they can come and present this opera. Um, as, as harsh as it is, as dire as the outcome of our enmeshment with violence and pleasure and greed, um, seem to um, end up uh, being in this book, there's also a word of hope. There's several words of hope. And first, the opera begins with the first words of the novel, um, Parable of the Sower, which is, all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. And so, you know, it, it, how we are connected to each other. We influence each other, we impact each other, and we need to be aware of that. And she also wrote, the author Octavia Butler, that the world is full of painful stories. Sometimes it seems as though there aren't any other kind. And yet I find myself thinking how beautiful that glint of water was through the trees. No matter how painful, how dire, there can always be some beauty to be found in God's world. The fourth part of this parable is about how the values of the kingdom of God, which Jesus preaches about over and over again, the values of um, love and justice and peace and mercy and joy. You can experience that realm of God when you bear the fruits of the Spirit that Paul identifies in Galatians as the spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. Whenever you see those fruits, we know that the reign of God, the realm of God, has drawn near. And I want to end with this beautiful prayer that was in the past attributed to um, Archbishop Romero, but it's actually written on his behalf by someone else, another priest. And the title of the prayer is Prophets of a Future Not Our Own. And it says, it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses all our faith. No confession brings total perfection. No pastoral visit brings total wholeness. No program accomplishes the whole of the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there's a sense of liberation in realizing that. And this enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not the master builder, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen.